the Russian government declared this news outlet, it's called Project, it doesn't exist anymore because uh, the Russian government declared it not just the foreign agent. It's then the next step from the foreign agent is the undesirable organization, which makes any association with it criminal. So we cannot even link to it or refer to it to their investigations in our article. And then they individually went after every single reporter who's ever uh, contributed to this uh, news outlet. And they named each of them individually a foreign agent. This is The Way Podcast. The militias needed to have a heads up that I was coming. I personally think they didn't, you know, like in chess. So that's how deep the addiction goes. I've been incarcerated most of my life. Having a conversation with Bill. They've been given no option, either join or die. Snipers, and it was a military. J. Cole came and hung out most of the fire session. I'm standing at the studio blast looking out into the studio. If you want to know more about The Way Podcast, go to podcasttheway.com. This is Bill with The Way Podcast on FM 91.7, WHUS Tours at the top of the hour. On 90.3, WRIU, South Kingston, at the top of the hour. Today, I'll be sitting with Alexei Kovelyov. He is an investigative reporter from Russia, and he ran one of the most popular news websites in Russia as a senior editor and founded a website called The Noodle Remover. Now, once you translate that, that basically means to lie. His specialty is debunking false narratives in Russian news, and he runs investigative research funded by the people. He has been titled a foreign agent by Russia, whose country's press freedom ranks 148 out of 180. And don't forget to give a five-star rating, like the show, review it, go to podcasttheway.com. That's podcasttheway.com. This message slash material was created and slash or disseminated by a foreign mass media outlet performing the functions of a foreign agent and slash or a Russian legal entity performing the functions of a foreign agent. Who are you? What's some backgrounds? Okay, so um, I started my career in journalism as a novice reporter for a local newspaper in Moscow in 2002. So that's close to uh, 20 years uh, in journalism. And I kind of slowly climbed up the ranks. I was the Time Out Moscow uh, kind of syndication coordinator. So I was responsible uh, for syndicating content from uh, different timeout publications publications across the world. Uh, then I moved to London to get my uh, master's degree in international journalism because for the first like seven years in my career, I had no uh, uh, education uh, anywhere. I dropped out of uh, college after two years to start working for the newspaper. I saw you were like a bartender briefly, but besides that, you've always been a journalist. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I, it's... Uh, it's all I've ever done in my life. I've uh, I spent like t- maybe a couple of years working on a tech support desk for a local internet provider and about half an hour as a bartender. But that's about it. <laughs> I've never, li- I've literally never done anything else. So you get the um, master's degree in London and then what happens? Then I, uh, after 
three years in London, I got my master's degree and I uh, worked for a few years as the London correspondent for a few Russian publications. But then in uh, 2012, I moved back to Moscow uh, because, well, interesting things were happening uh, then. And it was so much more exciting than, uh, you know, covering London uh, at the time uh, because there were, it was the time of, great social changes which were uh, unbeknownst to us change things were changing for the worse rapidly but at the time uh it seemed so so exciting there were every weekend there were hundreds of thousands of people in the street uh protesting unfair elections and demanding change and i wanted to be there so i moved back to moscow and yeah I, i've uh, i've been there since uh and i worked for I moved to Moscow to actually accept a high-ranking senior, senior editorial position at the state news agency, Ria Novosti. This is like uh, the Associated Press of Russia, uh, the biggest, uh, but also it's owned by the government. So I spent a, f- a few years there until it suffered, like many, many other publications at the time, a hostile takeover uh, by a Kremlin-friendly uh, team, because someone, in the, you know, we know who these people are, but uh, these people in the Kremlin decided that, uh, you know, even for a state news agency, there was, it was too liberal or maybe too uncontrolled and uh, too independent. So they swapped the entire editorial team for more loyal guys. And then for the last three years, I worked for uh, Meduza. It's an independent news website, which is based outside of Russia uh, in Latvia. Uh, it's the capital of Riga. Uh, it's the capital of uh, in, in Riga, the capital of Latvia, which is on only like uh, 19 minutes flights from uh, 19 minutes flights from Moscow, but it's outside of Russia's government jurisdiction, which you know protects us for at least some direct physical harassment by the state and the police. Uh, uh, but it also carries with it other risks. And in April this year, Medusa, where I work as the investigations editor, was declared a foreign agent by the Russian government. So, yeah, a common theme that I found is you got claimed a foreign agent. And I want to ask you about that in a second. But like that state news where you first started off kind of worked for maybe before it happened. But those are like the now bad guys, correct? Yeah. Quotation marks. <laughs> those are, <laughs> yes, those are, those are the bad guys now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah at the time when I, I worked there it was a pretty respectable publication and there wasn't any there were some uh, you know you, there were some things that uh, you knew that you probably shouldn't do like you know mention president putin's family uh without consulting with your superiors first it happened, it happened to me but you know it just they didn't really uh, i published this uh on the website that i ran I published a translation of a satirical article about the, one of Putin's daughters' wedding, and I got some talking down from my superior, but nothing, nothing else really happened. And we, uh, now we know that it's like a big no-no. Uh, you know, president's family is really off limits for not just for the state media, but for everyone. So if you do anything, if you write anything about the president's ex-wife or his daughters, you paint a massive target <laughs> on your back. I remember when like the vaccines were first rolling out, Putin made a big thing about how he vaccinated his son or daughter. So mm-hmm. something like that, is that allowed or did you really have, do you, are you cautious about even promoting that? <laughs> um, no, he, I don't, I don't think he, no, he doesn't have any sons that we know of. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he definitely has two daughters whose existence he won't even acknowledge publicly. So whenever they ask uh, him about uh, his uh, his children at press conferences, anyone who dares to do so, uh, he usually refers to them as those women. <laughs> and uh, and because they also want to have uh, you know because they also want to have some careers in a public life, uh, and they are quite present in in the state media. But there, they usually refer to, to uh, uh, by their names, neither of which is Putin. So they have so so both of them have different names, <laughs> and uh, nobody ever specifies who 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 that actually is. So whenever uh, it's just some random woman who uh, launches a charity or uh, uh, contributes uh, or, or sponsors the. Uh, a library or something, but whoever yeah. those is, you can't actually infer that from the articles yeah. because you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to refer to them as Putin's daughters. Is it like a common like fake name that they share, or is it just that same daughter could do multiple things, and you always think it's a different person doing each thing? Um, well, one of them is. Uh, uh, I think one of them is a famous. Uh, well, famous in her field. They're not just ran, You know, just, they're not just randoms. So they do have. Some legit achievements, uh, like one of them is uh, is a pretty famous geneticist, uh, and the other that's how we actually uh, uh, that's how one of the journalists actually found her uh, uh, and you know established that this is indeed a president's daughter. Uh, uh, she was pretty big in the uh, we have I don't know if you have if you guys have that but we have a like a. Uh, uh it's pretty big it's it's sport it's like uh acrobatic rock and roll uh i don't i'm not even sure if that still tells you anything but it's a pretty big but it's sports with like a pretty big following <laughs> what's it um, called it's, in it's like, like russian um uh, rock and roll like i don't know it's just people dancing to and roll tunes and like re- but it's like it's like physically taxing. It's it's not just like regular disco dancing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we don't um, have that here. But <laughs> okay, yeah. it looks good. <laughs> but yeah, all, uh, both of them are involved in pretty heavy stuff. Like uh, 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 one of them is in science, and the other is in business administration or something like that. Because you cannot actually uh, look them up in public records. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they're uh, pretty public people, but in a, in a very weird way that uh, uh, they are always present on, on uh, they have a like a pretty significant media presence, but it won't tell you all of these won't tell you anything who these people actually are. Also, but it's it's kind of a alleged. So one of the uh, uh, investigative uh, reporting outlets. Uh, they established that, of course, uh, in the absence of, a, of an actual DNA test, we can only say that it's, it's uh, alleged. So they probably found uh, Putin's third daughter born out of wedlock. Oh. And she looks remarkably like him, even more so than his actual you know, legitimate daughters. She's, uh, she's really a spitting cop here. <laughs> so they did a pretty thorough investigation. And yeah, all of the 
uh, all of the clues that found and all of the uh, uh, they really it's it's really quite possible that this, it is indeed Putin's third daughter. Uh, but what happened then is that they, uh, the Russian government declared uh, this news outlet, it's called Project, it doesn't exist anymore because uh, the Russian government uh, declared it not just the foreign agent. It's then the next step from the foreign agent is the undesirable organization, which makes any association with it criminal. So we cannot even link to it or refer to it to their investigations in our article. And then they individually went after every single reporter who's ever uh, contributed to this uh, uh, news outlet. And they named each of them individually a foreign agent. Wow. So that's what happens when, yes. Yeah, so, so that's what happens when you investigate <laughs> Vladimir Putin's family in Russia. If you get too close, you can't like anything. You can't talk about it. You can't get funding from the public. You can't go on social media. You can't, you're blacklisted. You're wiped off from Russia, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. So they, had, so they of course, they had to immigrate and, uh, you know, they had to uh, uh, dissolve the, uh, the these news outlets. And, uh, um, and it, yeah, most of the most of the staff had to immigrate. So you yourself, you're a foreign agent. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're the first independent organization without ties to a government to get that label. That is correct, but not not myself individually. Okay. Although that may or may not happen at any given Friday, because that usually happens. They announce new new foreign agents every Friday. Uh, it's about eight eight p.m. Moscow time, so we're all sitting there refreshing the Justice Minister's website to see who's on the naughty list this week. So um, everybody's getting the news, and then you look, and the news article you're reading is like, oh, this news article I'm reading from is now a foreign agent. Yes, exactly. And now basically, uh, now basically at this point, everyone else who is not in the state media or state controlled media or loyalist kind of media uh, is a foreign agent. So it, it lost any, any sense now. The label, which was probably supposed to uh, scare people away from these, uh, uh, from publications like ours, it's just so meaningless now because everyone is a foreign agent now. Uh, but I individually am not, and it's just my, uh, the publication I work for, Medusa. Uh, and uh, uh, so basically what happened is that uh, we are now obliged by law to carry this uh, massive, terrible disclaimer on top of every piece of content we publish. And that includes tweets, Facebook posts, and advertisement material. And it says, okay, I'm going to open, uh, so I'm going to open this and uh, uh, read it out to you so you can understand what it means it's uh, yeah. uh, you know people don't actually uh, uh, people really don't believe what i'm telling them this uh why are you uh, looking that up i saw that like 221 out of 200 characters yeah. on twitter must have a disclaimer <laughs> yes uh and w you can look up our uh, twitter feed and see what it looks like now uh uh, and uh, it's just, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't really make any sense to ha even have Twitter now because all of the uh, uh, messages that we post there is just this is disclaimer because there's nothing else left except the link and this disclaimer. And if, because we also have to carry this on top of every, every piece of material, every piece of content on the website, which includes, and of course, and we were, uh, un until uh, April this year, we were, we are actually a for-profit publication, and we're we were quite successful. We were quite successful. We were making money. Uh, we were a, a growing media business, but of course, and we had pretty big corporate clients. But of course, none of these 
big corporate clients want this, you know, foreign agent disclaimer uh, slapped on top of their ads. So we lost 90% of our uh, advertisers overnight and our entire business model was like wiped out. Uh, We launched a crowdfunding campaign, uh, which seems to be going pretty good. So we've managed to stay afloat for a few few months at least, but we were lacking that sense because since then, I think about uh, four or five dozen more uh, people and organizations have been declared foreign agents as well. And uh, there's only so much that, uh, you know, people who even sympathize, sympathize with us, uh, with a cause, can afford to contribute to keeping these organizations alive. Uh, and yeah, in a sense, we were lucky to be the first to be declared foreign agents uh, because it's, you know, there's so many of them now that you, you really cannot afford to uh, 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 contribute to the survival of all of them, which is pretty bad because we uh, will probably uh, going to lose uh, 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 many uh, pretty good news organizations uh, in the next few months or so. Yeah, because the common knowledge is like the news or publications sort of control the world. Because if you tell people what to think, that dictates what they attack or what they vote for or what they want. And 90% of profits that, like, if you're the independent news organization bringing factual evidence, 90% is abysmal. Like, you guys are still hanging on, but I can't imagine that's doing too well. Yes, because uh, for all the, you know, it's an incredibly shitty situation. And we had to, uh, uh, we really had to uh, cut back on most of our operations. We had to scuttle a few uh, ongoing projects. We uh, uh, we didn't lay off many people uh, because uh, quite a few uh, uh, left on their own accord because uh, you know they didn't really sign up for this. And uh, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of stress uh, because it's not just the this disclaimer that you have to carry. That's uh, a lot more. You you're being smeared all the time in you know on the, uh, in, in the state media as you know a foreign agent in Russian, it carries a very you know it's it, uh, it's uh, it's a very uh, uh, it's a very menacing uh, connotation. You're basically a spy. You have to carry a big uh, big sign on like a tattoo on your on your forehead that you are a spy. Uh, and the, the that was probably the um, uh, the purpose of this designation to kind of uh, single us out as uh, uh, you know these foreign interlopers, uh, but it clearly didn't work because we haven't seen a big slump in our or no slump at all in our readership. So clearly, you know, people trust us uh, as much as they uh, did before. Uh, so I'm going to uh, just, so just to so so you understand what it, what we have to. Uh, carry on our on our sto- on every single story we publish, on every tweet we publish, yeah. uh, and everyone else. So that's about a hundred people now, and pe- hundred people and organizations. Uh, so that's this message slash material was created and slash or disseminated by a foreign mass media outlet performing the functions of a foreign agent and slash or a Russian legal entity performing the functions of a foreign agent. This is this is what we are mandated to include as a disclaimer at the top uh, of like, every article, yeah. every tweet, everything. Yeah, but that's uh, it, it, it. It can get much much worse than that. It also uh, uh, this status also carries with a significant uh, bureaucratic burden. So every quarter we have to 
compile a, a very thorough, uh, you know, like an excessively thorough uh, report of our activities to the Justice Ministry. But that status also applies not just to organizations. We, we, we are an institution, as, as hard as it is on us, we can afford uh, to hire a lawyer and an accountant to deal with all this, uh, you know, extra bureaucratic burden. But it, this status is also applied to individual people. And it's incredibly, incredibly demeaning. You know, uh, a few people I know they have to uh, uh, they have to post this mass this disclaimer on top of every uh, their Instagram posts with their you know with, with their food and with the kids. Uh, you know, they're yeah. It's it's like you. It's it's kind of a civic death. You're you're condemned to uh, carry this mark and everything or and every piece of your you know your entire uh, online identity is replaced with this disclaimer. Yes. So it's much more it's much more punish, punishing uh, on individuals than on organizations. Like as a person, it could be not political. It could be your food. You got a new dog. Your kids going to school. Anything. Yep. Any tweet. Today I felt good when I woke up. But you have to put that whole disclaimer before yes. everything. Yes. Except except you can't. You know that's that's already too many characters. You can fit <laughs> yeah. maybe one two one 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 or two words in a tweet with a disclaimer. How have you avoided that? Like. Every article you write, are you is that on the back of your mind to avoid that label? I mean, it's uh now it's uh it's 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 a constant source of neurosis and stress for everyone because if you for, if you forget to include that, uh, in uh, we publish maybe uh, uh, 30, 40 pieces of content every day, our uh, news outlet, uh, and if we forget to include. Uh, that disclaimer in one of the tweets or Facebook posts or other social media posts will be uh, that carries with it a very heavy fine, uh, which is uh, it's really designed to be backbreaking. Uh, and after a few fines, after a few violations, it's a criminal liability for the editor. Uh, so you have to be really careful that you really include that disclaimer with every piece of content you publish, because if you forget that, uh, that carries with it very uh, serious consequences for for your publication what's the like credential what do you have to do to be labeled a foreign agent oh that's a good question nobody knows uh, <laughs> <yeah>. oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay so uh, uh, to give you some context uh, so this foreign agent law has existed since I think 2013. And originally, it only included NGOs, which was which was bad enough, uh, because some of those NGOs, hundreds of those uh, uh, very small uh, kind of uh, boutique NGOs that were dealing with issues that uh, you know the Russian government had preferred to kind of turn a blind eye to or sweep under the rug, uh, like the HIV epidemic or domestic violence, uh, which the state just would rather prefer would rather pretend that it doesn't exist. Uh, so a lot of these NGOs were, you know, helping victims of domestic abuse and helping uh, people with uh, rare diseases and, uh, you know, HIV, which carries uh, with it an enormous stigma in Russia. Uh, and uh, uh, the only people who would fight for their rights or, uh, you know, provide them with, uh, you know, antiretroviral uh, medicines were uh, these people from the small NGOs. And of course, they had to rely on foreign grants, like really tiny, tiny grants, like maybe a couple of thousand of bucks. Uh, for to buy, uh, uh, to buy, uh, I don't know, stationery or uh, a new printer, uh, stuff like that. So, uh, 
Uh, they signed this law into effect and there, uh, uh, immediately many of those small NGOs um, uh, went out of business because they really couldn't afford all the, uh, the bureaucratic burden. They couldn't afford to hire an, an extra accountant and a lawyer to deal with all that. Uh, but uh, in 2017, ostensibly in response to the uh, United States, including two Russian uh, uh, state media outlets operating in the States, uh, RT, also known as Russia Today and Sputnik, uh, so the Russian, uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, Department of Justice uh, uh, required them to register under the Foreign Agent Registration Act, which now the Russian authorities say is just the mirror, is, is just uh, uh, that that the Russian foreign agent law is, is is pretty much the same as the U.S. Foreign Agent Registration Act, which is of course not true at all. Uh, it's uh, you know it's. Uh, it's very, it's it's different in so many uh, respects. One being that you are you won't even know that you are included in this uh, foreign agent registry in Russia unless you refresh this uh, foreign agent uh, justice ministry's website every Friday. Uh, you're not a part of this process, so you 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 cannot you know say anything in your defense. Uh, and you won't know if you're being considered for this. So you're not going just, you're not just some submitting your paperwork. So in, in the United States, it's usually uh, a big, a, foreign, a typical foreign agent in the United States is a, uh, is a big K Street uh, lobbying firm uh, or, uh, or, um, uh, uh, or a law firm representing uh, like a Russian oligarch uh, who wants to get a USB, who uh, wants to get his, uh, uh, U.S. travel ban lifted, and uh, uh, I, I Russian oligarchs, pay, uh, uh, you know, pays this uh, law firm uh, uh, like two uh, hundred thousand bucks a month on a retainer, and they have, to, and they will go to the Department of Justice and register themselves as a foreign agent. Uh, that's the way it works in the states, but in Russia, it's really random, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, it, you know, it just it just happens, and you cannot. And it's not; it's irreversible. You know, people have tried. People have really tried to get themselves off the register, but it's it's impossible because it's it doesn't have to. And it doesn't have anything to do with justice. It's a political decision. Uh, and uh, okay, so uh, there are two requirements for uh, being included in this registry. One one being uh, that. Uh, you yourself have to disseminate the content created by a foreign agent, basically linking to Medusa. If you do that, you are already liable uh, under this law. And uh, the other is receiving money from abroad, any kind of money, not just government money, any kind of money. One of the, one of the guys on this registry, he transferred uh, like a couple of hundred bucks from one of his, uh, one of his uh, dollar accounts to his ruble account. And that was the basis for him being included in the registry. So it's it's really absurd, and it's it doesn't have anything to do with uh, you know actually being funded by any foreign government because we are not we are not funded by any foreign government. Yeah. So if there's some article or newspaper over there I like, and here in America say I donate them fifty dollars, that's already yeah. enough. Yeah. Yes, that's uh, that's the basis for that's 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 already liability under this Russian foreign agent law. Wow. That's... And, that, and that's actually that's and that actually happened. Uh, to an NG, uh, to one of the uh, NGOs, uh, this guy in Alexei Navalny, who is like the biggest anti-corruption campaigner, he's in jail now. Uh, so it's you know, uh, the, a long series of uh, 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 persecution against his organization started 
uh, when uh, his organization was declared a foreign agent uh, based on one single cash transfer from Spain. We, I, we tracked down this guy who sent like a, maybe a couple, of thousand, a couple of thousand euros to this anti-corruption foundation and he didn't know what it even was. He, didn't, he had no idea what the anti-corruption foundation was. This can and has happened. I could even see, say like somebody gets no money from any outside sources. I could see the government just calling up somebody in like Italy or France and saying, hey, Venmo this guy a hundred bucks so then we can put this label on him and get rid of him. I mean, why why go through all this trouble? But can you just when you can just slap this uh, label on anyone uh, where you know it's not it's not like it's not it's you know it's it's not a trial. The state is not a plaintiff, or <laughs> so they, uh, they there is no onus on them to prove anything. Oh, so they don't even so, need to fake the minimum. They can just no, not not really. No. <laughs> oh my god, and <laughs> I I guess the yeah. So the whole goal is you said that there's some some uh what do you call it like abusive situations and family homes or there's some problem going here facing russia like the hiv epidemic and maybe covid nowadays and all that yeah so the idea is russia wants to stop as much of this as possible so they look like they're doing a good job governing honestly uh that probably would have been the uh, uh the most reasonable explanation but we really have no idea because it's not like uh, you, see, you see the problem is that in order to uh, explain something like this in a way that you know assumes some central uh, authority uh it would have been easy but we we know that it's not like that it's you know, the, the kremlin is the kremlin on all the you know adjacent fortresses uh so to say of power in russia is not a monolith it's a lot of you know competing interests and a lot of people um, uh, you know, a lot of converging uh, uh, and competing interests uh, uh, that, that sometimes align and sometimes they don't. Uh, so we know that, you know, some people uh, in these corridors of power, they oppose this foreign agent law because they, that makes the whole, the entire, uh, like, government and Kremlin looks really silly and petty and, uh, and vindictive. But the most... Obvious explanation, as far as I understand, is that uh, some people here and there they just wanted they they saw it, uh, uh, they saw an opportunity to make uh, to build a career uh, for the to build a political career for themselves, and the easiest thing to do would be to, it would be to go after uh, what they uh, what uh, the consensus the uh, uh, the current consensus in the Kremlin and everyone who is basically not already aligned with them or owned by them is, is by definition some kind of traitor or subversive element. So it's, uh, it's quite, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it, it's uh, low-hanging fruit, so you can uh, yeah, build a, uh, a, a good political career by going after, uh, you know, anyone. It's not just, just the journalists. It's NGO, activists, bloggers, everyone. Now it's, uh, now it's rappers or, you know, hip, uh, now it's rock bands and, uh, you know, hip-hop artists. Basically everyone who is not uh, already by, under complete control of the Kremlin. So if my show, my podcast was in Russia, me too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it makes me think of, do you know what gerrymandering is? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I do cover U.S. politics for Medusa too. 
All right, I figured. I just wanted to double check. But yeah, like in America, say a party wins the seat, then they gerrymandered the district, so they're going to get more votes down the road. That makes me think of Russia. Like, say somebody wins the election, they're going to, quotation marks, gerrymander the news stations or the local journalists so Mm -hmm. that they're not viewed in a bad light, so they keep their political seats. Is that, like, the idea? Uh, Okay, yeah, that's the first thing that Vladimir Putin actually did when he became president back in uh, 2000. So literally, one of the first things he did was the... Uh, was to uh, obtain complete control of all the major media in the country. Uh, but then the internet uh, uh, existed more as a more or less a, uh, a free place because nobody in the Kremlin actually cared about it because they uh, saw this until maybe 2010 as some, uh, uh, you know, some silly uh, 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 kids play, you know, this internet, it's this silly thing. Uh, but then, of course, they saw the danger coming out of it, and then uh, they quickly uh, made sure that the, all of the major online media too were controlled by uh, the Kremlin as well. And that actually, this is how Medusa came to, uh, uh, came about because in 2014, it was founded. Medusa was founded by a team of exiles from another uh, uh, public from an, from an, I think the most popular uh, news website at the time. Uh, it was called Lenta.ru. It exists. It still exists uh, with kind of a skeleton crew and a shadow of it for myself. So in 2014, uh, the owner, the guy who uh, uh, the Kremlin-friendly oligarch uh, who bought the entire media conglomerate, which also included this news website, fired its uh, editor-in-chief, who is now a publisher, Galina Tienchenka, and uh, replaced her with a more Kremlin-friendly figure. And the entire editorial team walked out in protest, and then they moved out outside of Russia and founded Medusa. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much what happened. Yes, you win the elections, and you make sure that nobody speaks ill of you anymore. <laughs> yeah. Is like Putin the one at the head of all of this, or is it just the rest of the government doing this? Is he like the main oh, villain, or is he the puppet? That's a really good question. And again, uh, what we now uh, uh, is that it, it used to be called the power vertical, kind of all the uh, all the power emanating from uh, Putin and he's controlling every aspect of the government and, uh, and the parliament and everything in the country. But it doesn't really work like that because again, it's just, he sits on the top of a pyramid with, uh, with a lot of infighting on every level. So uh, he just uh, uh, serves as a central authority to a uh, different group of powerful interests, uh, like there, like there's a liberal kind of uh, uh, the liberal wing of the government. Those uh, you know, economy, you know, Harvard-educated economists with, the, with with their lofty ideas, and then there are heads of the, and then there is security services, uh, the chiefs of security services, people with a, with an entirely different mindset and entirely different goals, uh, and a lot of a lot of people in between. So. Whoever has the upper hand at the moment, uh, and now it's clearly the uh, security people uh, rules the country, or certain aspects of the country, or certain industries, or all the media outlets. Uh, so it's not like maybe Putin would have wanted to do things differently, but he cannot just afford to do that because every move he makes, every word he says, 
is is certain to upset some kind of uh, some segment of those different competing interests under him. So it's a lot more complicated than that than just Putin being, uh, uh, you know, the czar of everything. It, it sounds a lot like here in America, Democrats versus Republicans, <laughs> where they have like corporation like influence yes. on things they do. <laughs> Uh, you know what uh, Putin's one of Putin's favorite shows is? What? House of Cards. <laughs> <laughs> he, yes, he re, he he really derives his knowledge of uh, a lot of his knowledge uh, of you know American political culture is derived from <laughs> uh, you know TV shows Shocking. like House of Cards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And yeah, you can actually uh, you can actually see that in a in a Russian you know kind of loyalist political commentary that uh, uh, that is actually you know not not too far from the truth. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, so, so that's that that's their 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 entire uh, uh, kind of idea that you know Americans are in no place to lecture us about democracy because look at them. What's, is that a democracy? Just two parties? Like we have five. <laughs> <laughs> but all five are still pretty much the same kind of with like the corruption and ideas but um you know it's uh then again it's uh, uh you know every assumption assumption you have uh, that, that includes me too uh every assumption you have about russian politics tends to get you know turned over on its head because right now for example in the pandemic uh like one branch of the government which is the, the eggheads, the scientists, uh, their goal is to stop the pandemic. That's their overarching goal. That's the only thing that matters to them. So they, they want to uh, uh, enforce uh, uh, a national scheme of uh, you know, health passports, basically QR codes for vaccinated people, so that you're not allowed in any public place without a QR code uh, announcing your, your vaccination status. And then the other branch of the government, the economists, they want to avoid, uh, you know, they, they fight tooth and nail to avoid a, a lockdown uh, because that would mean a big uh, uh, economic slump. Either, either negative outcome, you know, the negative outcome for both of these groups, uh, you know, they're incompatible. But also uh, their, their biggest goal is to look, uh, is to make themselves look good uh, uh, for the Kremlin and, and make their competitors look bad. Putin, Putin sees how unpopular uh, these law is and how, how, how extremely unpopular the, the very idea of vaccination is in Russia. We have one of the lowest vaccination rates uh, uh, among the developed countries. It's barely 40%, uh, despite you know, having invented not just one, but three own vaccines. So Putin sees how, how really unpopular vaccination is because people, it turns out people don't really trust the government when it tells them, go get vaccinated. <laughs> Or you'll die. <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing something like Putin got like he vaccinated a family member or something like that. Like I mentioned earlier, but when that happened, nobody cared. Like no, no. spike, no nothing. And his um, uh, his uh, his spokesman uh, claims that Putin himself was vaccinated, but then you know uh, uh, we we don't really know for sure because it was never you know unlike other foreign leaders who made a point of it of going you know. Uh, getting vaccinated on, on live, live on national television. Uh, that wasn't the case with Putin for reasons we have no idea why he wouldn't do that. But it really undermined the trust in a lot of people. Like if he doesn't, if Putin doesn't want to get vaccinated, uh, why, why should we? 
uh, and then he wouldn't uh, for all this in almost two years now he's only appeared in any kind of protective uh, equipment once when he visited the, uh, uh, a coronavirus hospital in, in April 2020 I think but every since then he's never appeared in the mask in, in public so why would people trust the uh, uh, you know this uh, the science branch of the government telling them to get masked if the president doesn't want uh, the, the, never wears a mask so uh, there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of this stuff really undermines the, the people's trust in the government because it's also disjointed gotcha even um yeah like trump didn't want to wear masks for a bit and that was the talk yeah. of the town because of that same idea <laughs> <laughs> so so what's some of our perceptions like as americans we see like russia they're like the big villain dan like we have this idea putin has a lot of control but there's just a lot more nuance to it so like as an average american what do you think we get wrong about our perceptions uh, well uh first of all i think um uh I, I'm 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 really certain that uh, Russia has uh, neither the will nor the capability to do something uh, to pull off something like installing a U.S. president. Uh, <laughs> oh wait! Oh, so you don't think that um, what was it? The voting rigging or like the uh, yeah, like you don't yeah, think I that? Don't think, you know, I'm, I'm not. Uh, you know, if, uh, I know I know for a fact that there was no P tape. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I know I, I I know the I know the girl I happen to know the girl who was part of the uh, uh, who was one of the sources in the in the steel dossier and no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there was uh, no P tape. <laughs> all right. I heard a little bit here and there, but like I just heard the rumor, so that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I what I was I mean what assumptions do you get wrong i mean we we do get a lot of assumptions wrong about ourselves uh but i don't think like like uh there is no like one central villain uh, there is just a lot of uh you know opportunists that think that they uh uh you know as it's always from my experience working in a, in a big government company it's we it's uh it's really disorganized uh, so a lot of people in the mid-levels, they want to carry favors with the superiors and they come up with these initiatives, which are sometimes crazy, or they pursue some, some of their uh, uh, really twisted interests. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty sure that on some levels, uh, there were some attempts, in, for example, at, coll at collusion uh, during the, uh, uh, in the in run-up to the 2016 campaign, but it, I don't think it was, it was ordered by uh, Putin himself or the Kremlin. It was probably probably the same as as on the U.S. side. So pretty pretty much hustlers on either side, uh, you know, getting feelers out to see what kind of uh, you know profit they can extract from this thing. And yeah, yeah it's I mean it's uh, it, it 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 I do think that it was pretty much blown out of all proportion uh, by U.S. media. The level of this, I mean, there was some uh, uh, some attempts at some low level collusion. Uh, but nothing that would suggest <laughs> Russia really attempting to install a U.S. president that, you know, people in the Kremlin are not that stupid that they think that they, they can install and control like a U.S. president like a puppet. No, I mean, I mean these people can be evil and, you know, completely oblivious to, uh, uh, to anyone's interests but their own, but they're not stupid. They wouldn't get to the point where they are by being, you know, idiots. 
too big of a gamble. Yeah. This sort of feeds into it's like a two part question where um internet censorship. So like oh, yeah. what's like the internet censorship plus troll farms? Because I see those commonly come up too. Um, okay, so again, uh, uh, let's start from the uh, second one because it's easier to answer. Yes, there are troll farms operating, uh, including in the, in the English language in the United States, but that's a really, really low-key effort uh, because they really don't have the kind of professionals to uh, uh, sustain a, a, a big enough operation to influence opinion in, in the States on any you know, significant level. It's, uh, it's really just a uh, statistical error. Because guys, let's face—I mean, let's face it. Which is the bigger one, uh, uh, an obscure website in Saint Petersburg or Fox News? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, guys. <laughs> yeah, but aren't trolls like the things on like Twitter or like Reddit or Facebook that say, "Oh, look at this um crazy thing the news won't tell you about"? Isn't that like the? Isn't that what troll farms do? Yes, they do, but I mean, it's it's so uh, amateurish and low key that you know it, it surely exists. I mean, I know for a fact that it exists. I know that I actually, uh, you know, I researched a few troll farms in Russia, and it's pretty much, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to uh, set up. I mean, you only need like a, a team of maybe ten people uh, working on the clock, and uh, but that's all they do. It's it, you know, it's just posting that nobody ever, you know, nobody likes it or tweets it or responds it. It's just, it just, you know, just pumping out these empty uh, air uh, and it's, it doesn't really do much. So yeah, I'm, I mean, sure. Then I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that a few of them are operating in the, in the United States on Reddit. I mean, uh, actually, if you look at the, mo- look at the downvoted comments on, uh, on my Ask Me Anything on Reddit, that, those are the, <laughs> these are these guys but you see you, you look at them look at look at how much impact they're making one of my favorite um, things is clicking a controversial because you can do like hot new rising i always click controversial just to see those comments like that yeah. <laughs> and the nut stuff they'll say <laughs> yeah i mean that's that, that's that's pretty much all they can do uh so i wouldn't be worried about them and uh, of course, the uh, uh, in terms of uh, who is more detrimental to uh, uh, this social health of the United States in terms of promoting crazy anti-vaccine conspiracies uh, is it Tucker Carlson or a few guys in the St. Petersburg basement. Yeah, uh, something I heard Fox News legally can't call themselves news. Like they legally <laughs> have to say they're an entertainment industry because of some of the claims in the past. <laughs> uh well that, that 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 that's about it and it's the same with uh stuff like brexit i mean uh there were some uh allegations thrown around that this was russian meddling that caused brexit but i mean look at, look at, look at the uh you know if you compare the uh, uh all the low-key amateurish effort actually like uh legitimately emanating out of uh, russia and then like the biggest national tabloids like the daily mail who has the bigger impact uh, so that's that's my argument for uh, you know what about the troll farms? Uh, they exist, but they are like, they don't do much harm except uh, you know uh, exhaust the resources of their owners. <laughs> yeah. Use up the time resources. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Internet censorship. Oh wait, so much... one more one yeah. thing about the yeah. trolls too. I also heard with like propaganda, you don't have to convince people that the fake news is real, but if you show up 
throw enough fake information out, you can muddy it so people don't know what's real anymore. Uh, yes. Uh, that, again, was our assumption that that was indeed the goal of the propaganda until the pandemic turned everything on its head. Because it, as it turns out, when the, when the same propaganda, the same, the same people, the same talking heads on television are tasked with the one job that they were supposed to do, to, conv- to actually convince people of something, to go and get vaccinated, it's a complete failure. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. the, the same people, the same people who have for years been telling uh, everyone, don't believe in anything, any, anything any, everyone's saying, everyone's just self-serving, everyone's just following their own interests. America is not your friend. Every, uh, no one is your friend, actually. Everything is a lie. Uh, don't believe anything. And the same people are now tasked with convincing people to go and get vaccinated. Do you know? Do you see where this is going? <laughs> yeah, they can't control their own monster. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's happening now. It's uh, you know, it's it's terrifying, but kind of fascinating to watch as it's unfolding. Wow, I guess so. All right. So, what about the um, internet censorship? Okay, yes. Uh, well, we are, I mean, it's an immediate threat to us. If we, uh, it's like, to, uh, from our side, uh, on our end, it looks like a, a series of hoops you have to jump uh, through, like this increasing, an, an increasingly absurd amount of these hoops. And if you misstep on one, you'll, you, you can, your entire, not just your entire business model will be wiped out, but your website will be blocked in Russia, which means the end of us. So there are some, there are some, there are, there's an including, increasing amount of websites which have been blocked in Russia, actually blocked. Like you cannot access them from inside Russia unless you're using VPN. But VPN is popular in Russia. Increasingly so, because you, you, you cannot actually access a lot of Russian internet from inside without a VPN. Because so much content, so much content is now blocked. There are thousands and thousands of blocked websites. Uh, websites because there's there's the uh, the censorship ministry that basically waves its, its banhammer around, and uh, there's the uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, content is okay. Okay, there's uh, some genuine nazi stuff uh and violent uh agitation going online and they ban some of it too uh like promoting uh uh you know re- really really uh awful nazi stuff but uh then it's just uh, basically everything can be declared extremist material and be blocked forever from for, from the uh, from the russian internet and that is now the the list now includes like hundreds and of thousands of uh, you know links. So whenever I sometimes I, I sometimes have to uh, I I actually I forgot what it looks like uh, because I'm always on my VPN for security uh, purposes when when I'm in Russia. But sometimes when I need to to, to look up what a certain website looks from a Russian IP address, I turn on a, on a Russian VPN server. And it's like I'm in a desert. Like uh, half of the website I used to uh, uh, I, I, on my regular uh, list are banned, and it's include most of the t- most tor- torrent websites, stuff like that, and most gam- online gambling sites. Uh, basically, all of the porn. Uh, uh, but yeah, the shady stuff too. Yeah, uh, but uh, it, it, but the buck doesn't stop there. So a lot of stuff is just randomly banned. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're coming up on like the hour. So the last question I want to ask is you did an article 
on the uh, Moscow's propaganda empire. What is what? What does that look like? Uh, okay, it looks like an obscure, uh, windowless uh, building without a sign, not far from Moscow downtown. <laughs> uh, and actually, I, I want I I tried to stake them take stake these guys out, and uh, but later I found out that they uh, that they knew about uh, that they heard I was coming, so they moved to a different building. Uh, and I was thinking, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's just a bunch of students uh, uh, who are paying, paid cash in hand for, you know, uh, uh, praising the Moscow government online. Basically, that's about it. Uh, but oh, it's okay. a, yeah. But it's a, it it. But it turns out it was a, only a small part of it, and it's kind of a massive, big conglomerate uh, of all these shady organizations. Well, it it looks really, um, uh, it's it, it kind of sounds. Kind of menacing, uh, but when you look at it, it's again, it's so amateurish and silly and ineffective. Uh, so this uh, kind of troll, uh, troll factory, kind of exclusively tailored to the needs of the Moscow government uh, and uh, aimed at promoting the Moscow government's uh, measures uh, and initiatives. It, it was also part of a massive media conglomerate, which includes, like, I think at the last count, 150 newspapers. <laughs> but all of those newspapers and their website are identical. So they were all designed by the same guy. And it's just different, you know, color scale, and they all are pumping out uh, uh, the same article of, uh, you know, praising the Moscow mayor, with the sole purpose of spamming the uh, uh, the Russia's biggest uh, uh, search engine. Gotcha. So yeah, so it's yeah, so it's because the search engine is also the uh, the kind of the Google News equivalent in Russia, but it's much bigger. The Yandex is much bigger than Google in Russia. So whenever whoever has the uh, the uh, uh, there are top uh, there's the news feed on top of the these uh, search engine with the five uh, uh, breaking news headlines and this is like the most valuable uh, online real estate in, in terms of Russian online media. So the goal of this operation they uh, they changed the algorithm since then so it doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, the goal of this was to. Uh, trick the uh, uh, news aggregating algorithm into thinking that something really important is happening when in, in reality, the Moscow mayor is just cutting the ribbon on some uh, kindergarten. Gotcha. Okay. Then in that case, <laughs> I want to end with the, all right, one more final question, if that's okay. So yeah, sure. I'll let you choose between two because I don't know which one to end with. They both could go different routes. Your, 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 your opinion. So one, I heard somebody had a Ram head sent to their address, like a newspaper. If you're familiar with that story, yep. or a question would be, if you could sit with Vladimir Putin, what would you tell him? To the second one, I really have no idea, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I would come up uh, with something on, on my way uh, when they, you know, when, a, when a black car when a, uh, with a tinted windows arrives to my front door. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'll think of something on my way uh, to his uh, residence outside of Moscow. Uh, but I mean, there, I have so many that I'm really, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the funny thing is, um, if actually, uh, it, it actually can happen, uh, because he, he's, uh, Putin this for so many years, he's been surrounded with his sycophants and, uh, 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 and people who were wants to extract some kind of favor from him that he's genuinely interested in. He, he genuinely values human contact and, uh, uh, he like he craves some normal human interaction, which actually he do you know Masha Gessen, the uh, New Yorker uh, or, uh, author? 
I don't think I do. Yeah, so uh, uh, she used to live in Russia and then she moved to the States. She's uh, she works she writes for New Yorker now. Uh, and then out of the blue, when she, when she lived in Moscow in 2012, uh, she ran a magazine for the Russian Geographical Society. Out, out of the blue, uh, Putin called her and invited her for a chat. And yeah, she uh, like he was really uh, he was really eager to tell her. And she's she's a big opponent of him. She's really she's really hard on him. And she wrote several books about how awful he is. And he was really eager to tell her that you know. The, the picture that uh, the picture of him that people have in their heads and it's all wrong. I mean, so he was really eager to tell her that her, uh, you know, her his biggest critic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, actually, it, it, uh, I think uh, it's not. I mean, it's not impossible. <laughs> I guess that shows he does care, though. Like in a way, I guess he does want to be good. Um. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I don't think every, I, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone wants to be seen as this evil, menacing guy. And uh, he actually, uh, I, I'm not sure if it was in that interview that she did with him in the in in, in that chat or in another. But he says that you know those shirtless photos of, of me. It's it's not really me. It's not. It's just my PR guys. They they uh, they they think it's great clickbait, but I'm you know I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh what was the other one well that's a good one to end with like so you don't know exactly what you would tell putin you would have to think something up but it is yeah, possible i mean i will let him i i'll probably let him take the lead you know usually with that with with, with I, I i know for a fact with people uh you can see that uh, that he's really to uh, that he's really eager to connect with someone on an emotional level and it's the easiest people to interview because you just have to turn your recorder on and put it to their mouth and just you know sit tight and make this uh-huh sound for a few hours and you're done uh-huh all right well like i say thanks so much for coming out to the show yeah uh thanks for having me it was really fun is there any final message you want to tell the audience uh, I mean, support the Russian independent media if you can. You can actually go to meduza.io slash en and see there's a crowdfunding button on the top of their our homepage. And that's, yeah, think, uh, share, our, you know, read us, share our content online. That's the best way, best way to support us. And we are your last window to actually to, 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 to Russia. Uh, because other than uh, other than us, it's just the uh, you know the Russian state media with the government press releases. So if you want to know what really happens in Russia, follow us. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was Alexei Kovelyov. To see his newspaper and uh, more information about him, you'll see some links in the description of the podcast take you to anything you need if you're listening through the radio i recommend you check out the podcast and you can go to podcasttheway.com for more information please like the show give it five star rating share review every little bit helps you can find that information at podcasttheway.com this is fm 91.7 whos stores at the top of the hour this is fm 90.3 wriu south kingston at the top of the hour and as always deuces This has been The Way Podcast. If you want to know more about The Way Podcast, go to podcasttheway.com.